My name is Dave. It's good to see everybody here this morning on this beautiful spring Sunday. It's amazing what a difference a week can make. Look out at those windows back there. You can see the sun cascading in. Last week there was ice all over the roads and we're going to now enjoy a beautiful day in the park as we just have a potluck together. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But it's, a, it's amazing what a difference a week will make. Uh, and if you were here uh, last week with Nate Bull uh, sharing, uh, absolutely powerful, I just have to ask, how many of you went home and if you have a, a pet, you looked at your dog or your cat and you're like, yeah, got anything for me? <laughs> I, I looked at my dog, I actually did this, I looked at him and uh, he's a dog, he's a lot smarter than a cat and uh, I'm just like... <sighs> <sighs> I mean, honestly, I'll just be completely honest. My struggle with that story is that it was a cat. I'm like, couldn't have at least been a dog. Um, but I was like, you know, you got anything for me? You're a smart dog. Come on, share something. But, and I know, I know that some of you like looked at your animals and were like, hey, you got anything for me? And if you're wondering what is he even saying, go online and listen to the message last week. It was uh, absolutely uh, powerful, and I love uh, Nate. I love his heart. Uh, he just oozes Jesus. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And I love the kingdom stories, the, the story of, uh, of Keisha and just God's outright pursuit of her. Just bro- born and, and living in a broken situation, in a broken circumstance, and God uses whatever means necessary to, to connect with her, to show her how much he loves her. And it blew me away. Like just these kingdom stories, and this week we've heard in the office of people, of some of you sharing the gospel with people, and hearts being open to Jesus, people giving their lives to Jesus, and it's so encouraging that we are part of a kingdom that is on the move, and there's so much negative news out there, and so much that it can get our minds focused in a, in a completely different area, and we hear about the kingdom of God advancing powerfully in our midst, and it just soothes our soul, and it encourages us to no end. And I don't know about for you, but for me, I was challenged last week. I'm listening to Nate. I'm like, I want to have that expectation. I want to have that anticipation in my life as I'm going through my day, as I'm meeting with people. God, you can break in at any moment. And if you want to use a stinking cat, go ahead and use a stinking cat. Like, break in. But I want to have that desire. I want to have that childlike faith that he talked about. And I was honestly blown away when he uh, was just sharing about Peter. And Peter coming home and talking to his wife. And just saying, hey, you know, honey, I I walked on water today. And how, like, even like being a a follower of Jesus for so many years, how I have tamed what it looks like to follow Jesus. How even in my heart, if I'm honest, like, I don't have that anticipation all the time. And I want that childlike faith that, God, in this situation, you can move in powerful, powerful ways. And I want to be looking for it. And I was thinking, like, God, is there any thing in my life, is there anything in it that in my heart that is preventing you to move? Is there any way that I am preventing revival? Is there any way that, that, that I am standing in the way because I so want that childlike faith? And I, as I was reflecting on that question, I thought of two things. Just the busyness of life. How just the busyness of life can get, can get in the way. And Jesus warns us of that. In one of his parables, he says, the thing that chokes out the, the, the good fruit is the, the, the cares and the concerns of this world. And that is so easily the case. We can get so wrapped up in the cares and the concerns of the world that I miss what God is doing moment by moment by moment. But the other thing that gets in the way for me is just the brokenness and the suffering that I see in the world. I'll, I'll go 
to a, a gathering and um, I'll sit next to a person and I'm honored every time this happens, they'll just pour out their heart to me and I hear the pain in their life. Or I'll meet with people and I'll hear the pain, the deep pain in their lives. And it overwhelms me because there's so much brokenness in this world. There's so much hurt in this world. Things that have happened to people years ago. Things that have been done to them years ago. Things that people have said to them that they still remember in their minds. There's that old phrase that sticks and stones may break your bones but words will never hurt me. What a pile of garbage that is. Because I've sat with people who I can't get past this thing that was said to them when when they were eight years old. And there's so much brokenness in this world. And honestly, that's the thing that robs me of my childlike faith. But also the other thing is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you take God at his word, if you really believe what scripture says, if you, like Nate was saying last, you know, last Sunday, if you really hold true to what Jesus calls us to, calls us to you will suffer. You will suffer for the sake of the gospel. There will be times when people will say things about you, when they will do things to you, all because you don't want to just say that Jesus is Lord with your lips, but you want to live, live for him every moment of, of your life. You will suffer. In 1 Peter 3, it says, when they mistreat you, not if, when they mistreat you. Or Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble. And even warned, hey, woe to you if all people speak well of you. You will suffer as a follower of Jesus. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how careful you are, there will be moments of difficulty in your life. And it's those things, it's the the brokenness that I see, the suffering in the world that that followers of Jesus uh, are under. It's um, It's just the busyness of life that prevents me from following Jesus with this childlike faith. And I know that, wow, what an uplifting message on a beautiful spring day. We're going to talk about suffering and difficulty and how do you find God in the midst of that. But honestly, I wish we could be rescued from that, all the hurt and pain. I wish I could take people's pain away from them. But what I've come to know to be true is that God is the most powerfully present in the midst of our pain. As we hear stories, testimonies up here, it always gets to a place of just brokenness and down-out despair. And it was in those moments, those painful moments, that people encountered God in a powerful way. He became really real. But secondly, there's also a purpose in the midst of suffering. There's purpose in the midst of difficulty. We live in a world where the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. But God, some, for some reason, allows that to happen. I don't know how to answer that question. He allows that to happen, but he also uses it for his glory and for our good. So in that, in the midst of difficulty, we can have so much, such a closeness with the Lord. His presence is so thick, but there are also things that he wants to teach us in those moments, in those times. And over the next couple weeks, months, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. We've been through, going through uh, Psalms and had a wonderful season of a couple months in the Psalms, but now we're journeying into 2 Corinthians, and so we're going to be there for a while. So I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to see a man who has known a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty in his life. A man by the name of Paul. And this morning we're going to read just the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul here is talking a lot about affliction, a lot about suffering, and he knew a lot about affliction and a lot about suffering. There were times in Paul's life where he would enter a town and, and would share the good news of Jesus Christ and would find himself being attacked by a crowd of people. And in Acts chapter 14, we see that this crowd of people turned on him and were throwing rocks at him, and they thought that he was dead, and they dragged him outside of the city. And that wasn't just the only time that Paul experienced such pain and suffering in that way. In Acts 16, we see that after he uh, powerfully, through the power of God, freed a girl from the hands, uh, a slave girl from the hands of her owners, he's again thrown into the midst of the crowd and beaten with rods, thrown into prison, endured horrible affliction. He knew this over and over and over again in his life. Paul knew affliction. Paul knew suffering. But here in 2 Corinthians, there is a time in, in Paul's life when people are saying things about him that just aren't true. They're attacking the very call that God has placed on his life. They're saying, ah, he's not really an apostle. He's not really this or that because of all the suffering that he goes through. And so Paul knows suffering. He knows affliction. He knows difficult times. And I have never been beaten for my faith. But here Paul is, he's, um, he's undergoing a time when people are talking, saying stuff about him. And that hurts at a very deep level. And so Paul, as he's talking about suffering, he's not just talking about physical pain and suffering, physical affliction, he's talking about emotional and mental and spiritual. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of this conversation about suffering and affliction, Paul says absolute, something absolutely powerful about the character of God. He says that he is the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort, the God who created the stars, the God who created everything that we see, the God who sent his son, Jesus, for us. He comes alongside, he comes near to those when they are in the midst of affliction, when they are in the midst of suffering. And Paul knew this for himself. He knew the closeness of God in the midst of those difficult times. And being a dad helps me understand this a little bit. Just on Friday, I was hanging out with Zane after... Uh, school and we in our kitchen have this island and a bar stools on the other side and Zane always loves to come after school he loves to sit on those bar stools but then uh, just takes about 30 seconds and he's standing on them and he's talking about his day and I'm like bro you got to sit down you got to you're going to you're going to get hurt and he's talking about his day and he's eating his oreo cookies after uh, school on Friday and we were going to go play in the living room and all of a sudden I see Zane uh, forget that he's standing on the bar stool and he turns around and he takes a big step and he doesn't walk on air he hits the ground hard and he looked at me and goes it hurts everywhere <laughs> and he goes I'm not okay and then all of a sudden that big crocodile tear comes down his cheek and he starts crying and I pick him up I scoop him up and I hold him and he just cries kind of a little snot cry on my shoulder for a while I give him a kiss in the cheek, and then he's all right, and then he goes and he plays. And one of the things that I've learned as a parent is that when, they grow, when they're born, they're so cute, and they're so beautiful, and, and, and you just look at them, and you're like, you never want anything to hurt them. 
and it is so true. But you just look at them and then say, it's not a matter of will they get hurt, but when they get hurt. But something beautiful happens. And I don't want my kids to get hurt, but something beautiful happens when that occurs. You scoop them up and there's a closeness and I kiss them on the cheek. And for some reason, all of a sudden it makes everything better. And even as they get older and my other kids, as they've gotten older, the scars have changed. The scuffs are a little bit different. And not o- doesn't, a kiss doesn't make everything go away anymore. But what I have learned is the power of presence, the power of being there, the power of sitting alongside as they cry, as they are struggling in the midst of a difficult time. And that is what we learn about the God of the universe, is that he is the God of all comfort, that he moves towards us in the midst of our junk. And he is with us, comes alongside of us. Pastor friend taught me something that I'll never forget. For years, he sat beside people as they were going through difficult times, and he would want to come into a room and bring comfort to them in the midst of a situation. And he was always worried about coming up with the right words and knowing exactly what to say, and he's like, I want just that very thing to to speak into their lives that'll change them and take away that pain. And he always was worried about that. And then one day, he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. All of a sudden, the one who was comforting, trying to comfort, became the one in need of comfort. And he learned something powerfully in the early stages of Lou Gehrig's disease, a disease that just slowly kills you by attacking the nerve cells in your brain. He learned in that moment, it wasn't so much what people said, it was who showed up. He said he didn't remember anything that people said, but those that came into a room and just sat there with him. And he goes, he learned a valuable lesson. Show up and shut up. It's the power of presence. It's the power of being with somebody in the midst of their junk. And I want you just to think about the amazing character of God and who he is. That he is high and lifted up, exalted, holy. But then we read in 2 Corinthians 1 that he comes near in midst of difficulty because he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction. It's not just some. He comes and he comforts us in all of our affliction. There is this amazing invitation the God of the universe is extending to you and I when we come across difficult times. He wants us, like a good dad, to come to him and just say, I'm here, sit with me, let me comfort your weary soul. In the same way that I did that with Zane when he fell flat on his face. Where are you going, though, for your comfort? Because you will be comforted by something or somebody. Where are you going? The God of the universe is saying, I'm the God of all comfort. Come to me. I'm the one who was inside your mother's womb when I put you together, when I gave you that brain, when I made you smarter, gave you that amazing creativity. When I, when I wired you the way that I wired, I was there. The God of the universe is saying, and I want to comfort you, and I know how to comfort you the best. God is a refuge, a very present help in times of trouble, available to us. Are we going to him? The question I have is, how does God comfort? How does he comfort? How does he do that? How does he comfort? And we see this in 2 Corinthians 1, that verse 4, he says, he comforts us in all of our affliction. And we like to stop there and be like, yeah, Lord, give it to me. This is absolutely amazing. Just comfort my soul. But it goes on and says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So that we can comfort those who are in any affliction. God comforts people through people. He sends you and I into people's lives to bring comfort. 
And so often we can come up with these excuses that, oh, I don't know what that person is going through. I have not experienced the same thing. But look at what Paul says. He says, God comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. You don't need to know exactly what the person is going through. You just need to share that the God of the universe has comforted you and you want to share that with them. See, we're not sharing some wisdom or some special uh, thing. We are sharing by how ourselves, we ourselves have been comforted by the amazing grace and the power and the love of God our Father. He comforts through other people. And so often the thing that we very need is the very thing that we run away from in times of trouble. We isolate ourselves. If you're in the midst of suffering, if you're in the midst of difficulty today, I want to encourage you and challenge you to step out of isolation and into people's lives and say, I need help. I need somebody to comfort me. Secondly, the Lord comforts through his presence. Psalm 23, verse 4. says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. The presence of God is with us in the midst of difficult times, and that brings comfort for our souls. But he's not just with us, just hanging out, being like, hey, we're in this valley, we're hanging out. What does that verse go on to say? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, which is used for protection, to, to war off animals that want to devour our souls. In the midst of the valley, God is there with his rod to protect us, to shield us, to watch out, to watch over us. But it's also, he also has a staff, and a staff is used for correction and direction. And some of the times we face affliction and suffering because of the choices that we make. And when we're in that valley, God doesn't leave us to our own means and say, hey, good luck finding your way out. No, the God of the universe steps into that situation with his staff to correct us and direct us and says, I don't want you just to stay and live in this valley. I know the way out. Follow me. And that is amazing that God comes along and he says, you know what? You think this is the right way? I'm going to correct you but I'm also going to direct you out. And there's so much comfort that comes from that. But also God comforts us through the power of the gospel and the hope of the resurrection. I think this is something that Paul absolutely knew. Because Paul was in situation after situation after situation where he thought he was going to die. Where he thought it was over for him. In Philippians, we see him in the midst of jail and he says some powerful words that really hits home that he understood the power of the gospel and the hope of the resurrection. He says in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ. If I'm going to continue to live in this situation in the midst of difficulty, to live is Christ. I'm going to focus on Jesus Christ. But to die is gain. If the Lord takes me, if this ends with me uh, dying, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And there is so much comfort in knowing that while we may, we may face suffering and affliction here, and the Lord may powerfully come in and rescue us at any moment, at any given time, and I absolutely believe that God can do that. But sometimes he doesn't. And there's great comfort in knowing that there's nothing in all creation, life nor death, that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That if we pass away, that we will see him face to face. That we will behold him face to face. And the beauty of the gospel isn't some coping mechanism for this life here and now. It's the hope of the resurrection that we are going to be, a, we are going to be brought to life. There's a life after this life that we're going to see Jesus face to face. And there is so much hope and so much comfort that comes from that. God is the God of all comfort. Comforts us in the midst of every affliction, in the midst of suffering. And there are so many of you that know this to be absolutely true. In the midst of difficulty, you have experienced a closeness with the Lord that is so beautiful, that is so sweet, 
And while when I talk to you, you're like, I don't want to go back there, but I miss that time. I miss that time with the Lord. I miss that closeness with the Lord. I miss that just his presence being so rich. When my wife and I lost our first child, and I bring this up on occasion, it's, it was a horrible, horrible time. And I never want to go through that, but I just remember in the midst of that time, sitting in my living room, experiencing a closeness with the Lord that I've never experienced before. That's the invitation. In the midst of your suffering, the Lord comes and he says, I want to restore this childlike faith. Yes, there's brokenness. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's hurt. But I want you to come next to me and say, hey, hold me, help me. That's the invitation of the Lord. There's a closeness in that. There's also something that suffering produces, something suffering teaches us that nothing else can teach us. And Paul says this in verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says, we, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And that's a pretty... Horrible situation Paul is finding himself in. The spirit of life itself, and he goes on. Indeed, we even felt that we have received the sentence of death. But, and here we find the purpose, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. There is a lie that people share when others are in the midst of suffering. And it goes something like this. God will give you only what you can handle. God will give you only what you can handle, as much as you can handle. And I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you tell that to Paul who's going through this situation. God's going to give you only what you can handle. Man, he must have thought Paul was a real tough dude because he gave him a lot. But here we see the purpose in the midst of suffering. The purpose in the midst of this was for us to learn, for Paul to learn. It's not about what we can handle, but it's about what God can handle. Uh It's not about what you can handle because you're not the point, but it's about what God can handle through you because he's the point. And that's what suffering teaches in a powerful way. It teaches us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, to have our reliance all on the one who will never leave us or never forsake us. It's to have all of our confidence, all of our reliance on him. And so much of our life, so much of of this culture in our world is all about self-reliance. And the thing that Paul learned and the thing that we need to learn now today is not to be self-reliant, but to be God-reliant. To rely on him and him alone in every situation, in every season. Because our hope is on him. Our hope isn't in our own life. Our hope isn't in our own ability. It's in his ability. This week I was thinking of a time when I was, went with my oldest daughter to Costa Rica. It was a week before the trip and the people who were leading the trip said, hey, we need someone else to go. Can you go? And I didn't even have a passport and I had to find a passport in a, in a week and, and I went to Costa Rica with my daughter. And one of the things that we were able to do in Costa Rica was um, we ziplined Uh, over these big ravines and it was absolutely amazing but we're in Costa Rica and these guys young guys are teaching us uh, just a little bit about zip lining and I'm like did you guys put these little lines up like yeah and I'm like who's the first person to try it (laughs) they pointed to a couple guys and then they laughed but I'm in this harness 
And I see this line stretching out over this big valley. And it just goes and goes and goes. And I can't even see the end. And all I have is this little clip. And they invite me to step off this cliff and to trust this little clip and the line that's going to take me to the other side. We were above these trees, these trees that were 400 to 500 feet tall. We were way above them. It was absolutely beautiful. But there I am in the midst of this big valley, completely relying on this clip and on this little harness for my safety. Without that thing, I was toast. And I learned really quickly the power of reliance. Like I putting all of my trust in this thing. And that is what suffering teaches us. Suffering gets us to the place that, you know what, you can't rely on yourself. You can't rely on your own ability. You have to rely on the Lord, the God of the universe. He wants to root out self-reliance in our lives so that we can say, like Paul said, on him we have set our hope. On him we have set our hope. He is our everything. He is everything that we ever, ever need. I've sat with people who have lost everything, who have lost jobs, who have lost finances, who have lost children and they say you know what Dave all of this was taken away but the only thing that I need is the thing that can't be taken away it's the Lord it's my faith in Jesus he's all I have and he is more than enough that's the type of hope that we need to have that's the type of faith that we need to have to be able to live our lives to say God I need you and I wonder, what would that look like for you in your life to live tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week, saying every moment of the day, God, I absolutely need you. Just like when I was stepping off that cliff and holding on to that line, God, I need you. Some of you are ha- facing a decision. Some of you, there's relational conflict. Some of you, you're, you've been clean for a day or two, and you're like, God, I need you. And tomorrow, there's struggles. What does it look like for you to say, God, I need you. God, I need your power. I need your strength. God, I need you in my family. I need you in this relationship. God, I need you. I'm going to share the gospel with someone. I absolutely need you in this moment. Too often, we as followers of Jesus are living our lives doing things that cause us not to rely on the Lord. We can do a ton in our own energy and our strength. And I think there is an amazing invitation for us every day to step out in faith like a little child and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Step up. I need you. I'm going to take this big step, and God, I need you to come in and move in powerful ways. Suffering, affliction, difficult times. It's a beautiful thing because in the midst of that time, we experience a closeness, a presence with the Lord like we never experienced before. But there's also a purpose God wants to continue to root out self-reliance in our lives. I want to read, as we wrap up, Romans 3, verses 5. I'm sorry, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Paul says this, not only that... We rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. That's a foreign concept. We rejoice in our sufferings because knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope doesn't disappoint or put us to shame 
Because God's love has been poured out in hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's something beautiful that happens in the midst of suffering. It pushes us to a place where we need to go. And it's to the God of the universe who saved us through the power of his son, Jesus, and gave us his Holy Spirit. It's in him that we are to place our hope. Let's pray. God, I give you praise. I thank you so much for for being such an amazing father. For being the one that that doesn't cause suffering. That comes from the enemy, from the evil one. But being the one who uses it in powerful ways for your glory and for our good. God, thank you for the ways that your presence surrounds us when we're in the midst of trial, when we're in the midst of difficulty. Thank you that you are a refuge, you are a strength, you are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you have saved us. Thank you that you have redeemed us. Thank you for your power to reach in and save and to heal. Thank you for the hope that we have, the eternal comfort that we have in knowing that one day we'll see you face to face. God, I pray that we would live our lives God, I pray that we would live every day of our lives with an immense, tremendous amounts of confidence in you. Coming to you every moment of every day saying, God, I need you. Oh, God, we need you. God, we need you in this moment. We need you in our lives to have that childlike faith, to restore that childlike that freedom and faith and fun of just following you, Jesus. Restore that in our lives. Restore that in our souls, oh God, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to do something to this song. Are you still singing, Lord, I Need You? Um, if you want prayer to receive a childlike faith, I want to I invite you to come forward. And here are the prayer teams that I'm going to have, and I didn't tell them. <laughs> On Wednesday nights, we've been learning about prayer. And I have been blown away by middle school students and high school students that just pray for one another and are powerful prayers. And I've seen God use them in in amazing ways. And so I'm going to ask some specific people, and I'm going to call them out by name right here, to come forward and pray. So I do want Caroline and Mallory to come forward and be a prayer team. Yep, come on, jump up. I want Izzy and Ellie, come on up. I want, um, I think Ethan and Cadre are up there somewhere. Come on up. Um, Jack, you're somewhere, right? Come on up, dude. And I might be missing a couple. Um, oh, Audra and um, Kate are up there in that corner somewhere. Huh? I, then you come up, Ellie. <laughs> you come up, Skylar. If I'm forgetting you, anybody, I apologize, but I wanted middle school students and high school students to pray for you. So here's the invitation. College students. Adults, anybody else, if you just want this childlike faith, come forward and allow these prayer teams to pray over you. And guys who are up here, um, just pray quickly. You don't have to share a lot. Just pray that they would have that childlike faith. All right? Good? All right. Go for it, Daniel. Daniel.